Shalom and welcome back to Israel Policy Pod, Israel Policy Forum's podcast. I'm Eli Koaz, Communications Director in Tel Aviv. Now, elections are heating up. We have less than a week until the deadline for parties to submit their final lists, meaning this will be a week of mergers and other political headlines. So let's just get right to it. With us today is Tasha Lev. She's our special elections correspondent, our uh, 120 project. Uh, Tal is Walla News's chief diplomatic correspondent. I'm going to assume that at the moment she's very sleep deprived. Tal, how are you? Hi, happy to be here, even though I'm sleepless. Uh, sleepless in Tel Aviv. Uh, and you were sleepless in uh, in Warsaw as well last yes, week. Yes, uh, the prime minister had a very uh, rocky trip. Uh, to uh, Warsaw, um, and uh, I was uh, with him on his plane when it got um, when his plane was delayed, and basically uh, um, had a very serious uh, problem. There was a very serious problem there on the plane, so it was very dramatic. Um, but if you want to know behind the scenes of this um, interesting uh, visit to Warsaw, um, as a re- yeah, that's right, because uh, before we get to elections, Netanyahu had a very eventful visit in Warsaw, and there was some drama that actually happened on, on the plane itself. Exactly. So to say something about this trip to Warsaw, the first half of it was entirely boring, but then the second half of it turned out to be very, very eventful with kind of crises developing by the minute um, on... Uh, Netanyahu was there for the uh, the Warsaw Conference? Yes. So the, the summit, the Warsaw Summit, which was uh, organized by uh, Secretary Pompeo, was the reason that we all traveled to Warsaw. Um, but eventually, uh, and there were a lot of headlines at the summit, Netanyahu was very, very proud of him sitting in a room with Arab foreign ministers united against Iran and was very uh, proud to boast to us reporters how the Palestinian issue was put to, you know, it was pushed a bit down the drain and uh, how he has all these new Arab friends and uh, they can unite against Iran. Uh, but eventually, I have to say that the main headlines that came out of this trip were from a different um, sphere, and eventually, during this trip, Netanyahu stumbled into a diplomatic crisis with Warsaw, with uh, with with the Polish government, um, which was over, which was unintended, and uh, is giving him quite a headache this week as well. And the biggest drama of them all was uh, the plane, uh, basically. Uh, breaking down um, during, I mean, it, it, we were about to take off and then the pushover kind of scraped the plane. So suddenly there was this big drama at the airport. Um, so it was definitely one of the most interesting trips I've been on with Netanyahu. Um, and of course, the Palestinians were discussed at the Warsaw summit, um, which is uh, probably something that we're going to be talking about more and more in the coming weeks because uh, Jared Kushner did present, did speak um, to the summit and did give some insights. Um, we're seeing some leaks coming out in uh, the past few days. So it was an interesting summit, and it's, I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to have interesting implications also in the future. Let's move to 
to elections. Um, now, uh, a few weeks ago, everybody was talking about uh, Benny Gantz. The former chief of staff uh, gave a great opening speech, um, and he, he jolted in the polls after announcing his, his unity uh, agreement with another former chief of staff and former defense minister, uh, Bogi Alon. Um, but things have kind of cooled down. I mean, he, he, his messaging has been uh, very vague, to say the least. He's trying to be almost like a catch-all party. And, uh, and time went by, and he just started this kind of slow slide uh, down in the polls. And he was polling at 24 seats, and I believe now he's down to 18. Um, so what should we make of this? Well, I think it's too early to call on that that's a very big question. And I think that, yes, uh, we see guns starting to wear out, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he will continue to wear out, first of all. Uh, B, part of that, the fact that um, Gantz has weakened in, the, in two, of the, um, two of the latest polls is the fact that um, the Labor Party had its primary race last week. And that created a lot of buzz around the Labour Party, which was almost declared dead before the primary election and was like somewhere at four to five seats in the polls. And now we see them spiking back to uh, 10, even 11 seats in some, of the poll, in some of the polls. There was a lot of media buzz, media coverage around the primary election. And the Labour Party eventually does have a very good list of experienced lawmakers with... Uh, uh, who are very popular. So the fact that they were they were covered so much in the media and some of them were elected to very high places kind of brings back some of the voters. Yeah, and the fact that they are also, they are overshadowing Avi Gabay, who has been responsible for this plummet in the polls, for the other MKs to get this uh, this attention, a very young list, young and combined with with experience. Exactly. One would say that the Labour Party would probably be better off today if Avi Gabay was not their leader. Um, Avi Gabay is their problem. Uh, they have, let's, if we just want to look at the top uh, four on the list, then we have um, young, as you said, young Isik Shmuli and young Stav Shavfir, very two popular lawmakers um, who kind of are like, you know, the symbol of the 2011 social protest on Rothschild. So, that's a very, and, and they are now in a way kind of, you know, posed, uh, coined and dubbed as the next generation of the leadership of the Labour Party. Um, and then we have at number three, Shelly Echimovic, and number four, Amir Peretz, two former Labour chairs, very social, um, very, and very, I would say this list is a very left, leftist socialist economic-wise list, and that kind of emphasizes um, some of the party's assets, um, and this list is definitely an asset for Avi Gabay. Also, I would say that I think that some of the labor voters are starting to understand that Benny Gantz himself might be a center-left um, center positions, but he definitely has a very dominant right-wing faction in his list, which is um, Bogi Alon and two of his senior members of his party, um, Yoaz Hendel and Svika Hauser, both of them, by the way, former Netanyahu aides. 
And Gantz's list is very, you know, is trying to be as vague as possible, but it's definitely not a left-wing list. So I think that some of the voters, um, some of the labor voters that were attracted to the Gantz possibility to begin with, they went back home to the Labour Party. Now, Gantz just announced that uh, a former uh, head of the Histadrut, the Labour uh, Union in, in Israel, uh, Avi Nissenkoren, will be joining uh, the party. Is that an attempt to kind of change that? Uh, because he's, he's viewed as, uh, I would say he's viewed by most people as just a leftist, and it's not somebody that Gantz would, if he was going fully to the Yalon Hauser Hendel model, he's somebody definitely on the other side of the of the map. So yes, I think that uh, Gantz definitely try, was trying to you know balance um, the left the the right wing presence that Yalon brought into his party, especially because uh, both Yalon and uh, Hen, uh, Yalon Hendel and Hauser. They're all very, very outspoken on security and diplomatic issues. Um, and he, he is trying to balance that with Nissenkohn, who, you're right, he's, con- he's, he's considered by most people as left, um, and he's traditionally a member of the Labour Party, but he's not necessarily, it's not a, he's not necessarily identified as, le- as a leftist in the traditional diplomatic security um, aspect of that um, of that on the Palestinian on the Palestinian issue exactly on the Palestinian issue. Um, the other thing I want to say about Nissan Cohen is that bringing Nissan Cohen in is not necessarily about him, but more about the experience and mechanism that he brings with him. Uh, Nissan Cohen has. Uh, he he cannot use, of course, the labor union for the election, but he definitely has a very strong mechanism which can be very helpful for Gantz um, if he wants to, you know, approach election day with some kind of organizational structure. Uh, but we have to remember that Gantz does not have a party. Um, some politicians say that 70% of the election depends on how you function on election day. Your field, your field activity. Exactly. The get out and vote, uh, basically, activity. I mean, Yair Lapid boasts for having set that up and kind of in a way to differentiate himself um, from... Exactly. Gantz. It's not only Yair Lapid. Gantz is probably, you know, we, we kind of call him the fake... He's like a fake party, right? Because Gantz is, is it's a party that's beginning from nothing, that's mainly built... Um, like, that began with a lot of strategists and spin doctors and, you know, campaigners. And only after that is starting to build this structure. So Gantz desperately needs a structure and Nissan Cohn can help him with that structure. Um, that being said, I should mention that Nissan Cohn is not the former head of the labor union. He did not quit. He did not resign. Part of his deal with Benny Gantz is that um, he will only resign after the election, um, and that has been criticized uh, um, in the past uh, 24 hours since it's been announced. Um, just saying that that might show that Gantz is still unexperienced politically. Um, there is also, you know, he's also been criticized that he gave in too much to Yalon, that Yalon was basically, you know, um, uh, not passing the electoral threshold, but he got very dominant places in the list. 
Um, so people are saying also that his deal with Nathan Cohen kind of reflects that he's um, new on the blog. He's the new kid on the blog, and, and, and he's not very good at negotiating because um, he basically should have demanded that Nathan Cohen quit. The fact that Nathan Cohen is not quitting kind of shows that he doesn't have much trust in Gantz, and he's not sure that he will necessarily even be winning the next election. That's exactly right. And also, I mean, people are talking about what uh, Gantz gave uh, Yahalon, and while there's talk of, I mean, an expectation that Gantz uh, needs to make another merger if he is going to uh, get close to uh, to Netanyahu. Looking at what Gantz gave uh, uh, Yalon, what will he? What does he have left? I would say that you know this is a very crucial week and a very dramatic week because on Thursday, 10 p.m., um, the lists basically are closed, meaning that's the deadline for any you know deal to be cut or any alliance or any block to be made. So in the next uh, 96 hours. There are going to be a lot of attempts by Gantz to try and close a deal because Gantz, yes, he understands that in order to really challenge Netanyahu, he needs to create some kind of block. Um, so there are basically two uh, main roads um, that he's uh, trying to push forward and to move forward on at the moment. The first one is Oli Levy. Um, and the other one is Yair Lapid, the big, you know, what we call the big block. Um, that was seems to be stuck, or at least that's what people, that's what both sides are saying. Uh, but this, I think, is probably the week in which I am going to hear many, many lies. Um, and only by Thursday will we know exactly how the map looks, because I kind of suspect, I mean, since this is like the time of, this is the, this is the lying and spinning time, so... There could, it seems, on the one hand, Yeshatid, both Lapid and both Gantz's people are like saying, no, the uh, contacts are stuck and negotiations are stuck. And, um, and Oli Levy still is not uh, passing the electoral threshold. Um, so apparently she has an incentive to try and save herself um, from basically throwing her, throwing votes down the drain. And can't she only jo- join a new party? Exactly, because this brings us back to 2016. Ori Levy was number two in Avigdor Lieberman's party. And when Lieberman joined the government, he didn't give her a portfolio, which led to a huge uh, fight between them and eventually her deciding to quit the party. When she quit Israel Beitenu back in 2016, she basically had two options. Um, she could quit the party and her seat in the Knesset and run with whichever party she wants in the next election. But since but she decided to take the other option was to stay a Knesset member in a special status um, as a, it's called a, a it's called a siat yachid. It's a faction one fa- one man faction. Um, but since she continues, basically, you know, she basically continued to sit on a seat that she was elected to through Israel Betenu, so she's basically sanctioned. And the sanction on this kind of political creature is that she cannot run with any one of the existing parties, any one of the parties that sat in the 
20th Knesset, and she can only run with a new party. Meaning that if Gantz does cut a deal with Oli Levy, that will close the door on a deal with Yair Lapid, which is like the big deal. Um, and the big deal with Yair Lapid is also going through problems, uh, mainly ego problems, and um, also political problems, because it doesn't, it seems very unplausible that Yair Lapid will give up his dream of being becoming prime minister and agree to be Benny Gantz's number two. Um, the option of rotation has been floated in the air, meaning that they would decide that if they win the election, then they will basically divide their term as, prime, as PM. Um, but that hasn't brought them together, even though that idea is in the air. Um, it's not clear that Gantz necessarily wants Lapid um, and wants to make that block, but there are a lot, there, there are a lot of last-minute attempts to try and create some kind of block that could be significant and could lead, um, you know, to Netanyahu losing his dominance and Netanyahu and the Likud losing their dominance. Um, that being said, one should say that in all of the scenarios, the right-wing block is still stronger than the left-wing block. Even if they join forces, um, it will be very difficult for them to form a coalition, and it'll probably be easier for Netanyahu to do it. Now, there were reports that earlier on that indicated that Gabi Ashkenazi, uh, another former chief of staff, would join a potential uh, Lapid-Gantz merger, but if it didn't look likely that Gantz had a shot, he would not join. Where does he stand at the moment? Because I've heard reports that he is officially out. What's the deal with him? So there have been several reports that Gabi Ashkenazi is officially out, but I know that there is still a lot of pressure on him um, to rethink um, that decision, and I'm not sure that that is actually a final decision. As I said, we are in election season, and we are in a very, very interesting time in election season, which means that there are a lot of spins out there that are not necessarily true. Um, I have to say that I have not been able to reach any comment, to, achieve, to get any comment from Gabi Ashkenazi on any one of those last reports about him deciding not to run. And there are still um, players who are trying to convince him to join the race. And if Lapid and Gantz do succeed to cut a deal, then I think that we will probably see a last-minute Gabi Ashkenazi um, arrival into that constellation. Um, and that must happen before before Thursday, right? Yes, this all has to happen before Thursday at 10 o'clock. Um, but we should remember that Gantz and Lapid both lead undemocratic parties, meaning that whatever they decide will be okay. I mean, there's no democratic procedure that um, they will need to go through. If they reach a deal, then that's a deal. So it could happen, you know, in the last hours. Um, but talking about Gabi Ashkenazi, uh, just to say that Gabi Ashkenazi, the reason he is so desired and courted by Gantz mainly is because Gabi Ashkenazi can move um, seats from the right to the left. And 
all of the polls show that he can be the extra mile that can lead to a change in the blocks and can bring some of the right-wing voters to Benny Gantz's party. But Gabi Ashkenazi has supposedly conditioned his entry on this um, alliance between Lapid and Gantz. So you kind of, uh, if, uh, so there are a lot of ifs at this moment. And as I said, it's very difficult to see, to understand what exactly is happening, you know, behind the fog, because everyone is kind of surrounding themselves with many fogs and many rumors and many spins. It's very difficult to know what's right and what's right and what's wrong at the moment. But I think that if there will be a deal, then we could see Gabi Ashkenazi still entering. And if not, by the way, there's a rumor going around that if there's not a deal between Gantz and Lapid, then Gabi Ashkenazi will not enter, um, will not join the race, but he will put out a public support message um, supporting Gantz and also putting the blame on Yair Lapid um, for the fact that this block wasn't created eventually. But that's just a rumor. I'm just telling you. Like, rumor. Before we, we finish, uh, we have a lot of small parties in this election, and we have quite a few parties uh, that are kind of uh, right on that, uh, that threshold of 3.25%. Um, I mean, you have uh, Moshe Kahlon's Kulanu party, you have merits around there, you have even Lieberman, and then you have uh, Habayta Yehudi, the Jewish Home Party, and the, the National Union Party, and they just uh, made a merger. You have the, more, the further right-wing parties, uh, Jewish Strength, and uh, uh, Moshe Feglin, formerly Likud MK, Zeud Party, which are also around that 2% range. What should we make of this? Um, well, just to, if you want to know the numbers, then so far 62 parties have um, signed up at the Central Election Committee for the deadline on Thursday of submitting the list. So 62 parties is what we have. Um, you mentioned some of them are very, very weird. Uh, you mentioned uh, the more, the, the more uh, you know, recognizable ones. Um, there's still an attempt um, to try and um, create a block um, between the what you mentioned, the very racist right-wing, ultra-right-wing racist party, Jewish Strength, and the Jewish Home, which is now the Jewish Home and um, uh, the National Unity Party, basically. The, the party that Naftali Bennett and Ayala Chaked uh, left yeah. to form the, the, new, the new right. Abayta Yehudi. Uh, yes. So there is an attempt to bring Otsmani Israel and Abayta Yehudi together. Uh, and Eli Yishai as well, the former Shah's head, or is he not in that picture? Well, Eli Yishai is also in that picture. Um, Netanyahu has been trying to push these parties together because he's afraid of right-wing votes, basically um, not passing the electoral threshold. Uh, but one should say that people are very cautious of bringing in um, radical right-wing, um, very racist uh, um people like the Otsmal Israel has, um, I'm not sure that they will find themselves any block. Maybe they eventually will run with Eli Shai. Um, and, uh, but they are very, very marginal. Uh, but together they can have three or four seats. So, it's, so yes, they, this is happening on the sidelines. But the main um, 
the main deal in the there was already cut last week when basically Rafi Peretz from Abayta UD um, and Vitzalev Smutrich from the Echud Lumi, they both joined forces and now we have you know the former Bayt UD, which basically is polling somewhere between four and six seats, um, and Bennett and Shaked, who are polling somewhere between six to ten seats. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Rafi Peretz. The agreement was that Rafi Peretz would be the number one on the list, but if there was a ministerial position given to the party, that would go to uh, Betzalel Smotrich. So that means there's a good chance that we could be saying minister. Bezalel Smotrich, this is one of the most furthest right-wing MK, if not the furthest right-wing MK in the past uh, Knesset. I'm not sure I would define that as a good chance, um, given that we have an ultimate deal that might be presented after the elections. Mm. Um, so, uh, But that would probably need a total new podcast to talk about that one. Um, but um, just to talk about some of the other players, uh, yes, Moshe Kachlon, Avigdor Lieberman, Meretz, um, many players are on the verge or very close or drifting just above the electoral threshold, um, and they will be running eventually by themselves to the end. I think that some of these parties are waiting, A, for guns to kind of wear out, and uh, for some of Gantz's votes maybe to move to them. Um, but also people are waiting, as I said, for the D-Day, for after Avichai Mendelblit's uh, decision, uh, the Attorney General, if to indict Netanyahu. That will be a political earthquake, which could really change the way that the seats are distributed. We could see some Likud voters deciding to go with Kahlon, who's a former Likudnik, just because you know, they feel better about him not being corrupt, or we can see uh, Likudniks decide to move to Lieberman because it's they, they want someone right-wing. Um, I think that the, um, the system, the map, is far from being stable. A, because we still have this deadline on Thursday. The Israeli public is totally confused. They have no idea who exactly is running against who. All we do, I'm just going to say this, you know, apologetic, all the news outlets do is like put out 10,000 push notifications a day about very small occurrences. And um, I think that the Israeli public still doesn't exactly understand who is running and how. And only after Thursday will people start to understand exactly what their choices are. And we will start seeing maybe a different distribution of the votes. That should also should be said that there's about 30 percent, 20 to 30 percent who are still undecided, uh, which could also change the map. And most of the undecided do not come from the right wing side of the map. They're in that center right area for the most part, probably. There's around, I mean, cent- centrist. Centrist, center voters. left, yes. Bibi's voters are the most stable, meaning that 70% of Bibi's voters know that they will be voting for him, say that they're kind of sure they'll vote for him anyway. Okay, so Tal, um, I'm sure we'll know a lot more Thursday at 10 p.m. What should we expect? Uh, what should we watch out for? On Tuesday, um, Benny Gantz is going to present his list and Many of the parties are having like these celebrations and uh, you know media events in which they 
uh, present their lists before they actually go and do the formality of submitting the list at the Central Election Committee. And uh, it's going to be uh, um, interesting on Wednesday and Thursday at the Central Election Committee. Maybe we'll have last-minute surprises of uh, blocks and alliances. And I think this week is probably the week which will, which could define um, the rest of the election, especially if some dramatic, um, dramatic block eventually does uh, emerge in these contacts between Gantz and Lapid. Um, but I think we'll all be very smarter on Thursday at 10 o'clock. And um, let's hope that I didn't make too many wrong bets. And I have to ask you, you mentioned surprises. Uh, the, the selfie king, Oren Khazan, um, can he, will he surprise us and, and, stay in, and stay in politics? Well, he's threatening to surprise us and stay in politics. Um, and uh, yes, he's disappointed from his place in the Likud primary, and he announced that he's now trying out his own party. Uh, will he be the Israeli Donald Trump? I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure how popular Oren Khazan really is. There's a difference between gaining likes on Facebook with selfies and actually voting. But, you know, things happen. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll find out uh, uh, this Thursday. Uh, with that, I want to thank Tal uh, for joining us and explaining the very uh, complex and complicated picture of uh, Israeli politics, especially a week uh few days before the, the lists are going to be announced. Uh, Tal, uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, and uh, everybody should check out our uh, Israel elections uh, resource, uh, the 120 Project, and, and you can find polls, analysis, weekly videos, uh, podcasts, uh, and it's at israelpolicyforum.org uh, slash elections. Thank you very much, and, uh, and you'll hear from us soon.